We need to stop fearing the sun as a health threat. We need to re-establish the fundamental human-sun relationship that is physically rejuvenating, spiritually uplifting, and life-giving. Welcome to The Vital Veda Show. I am your host, Dylan Smith. I'm an Ayurvedic practitioner and holistic health educator, and I'm very glad for you to join me today on a new day with a Once again, the same sun turning up every day, never late, always reliable, always unconditionally showing up and shining and giving its energy to you and to me right now whenever you listen to this, whether it is in the same year of recording this, 2023, or it's on another day, another year, the sun is that unconditional, loving, sentient being who gives and gives And in Ayurveda, the science of life, the mother of medicines, we call this quality in something, including in any being or any person, we call this quality sattva. And sattva means pure, unconditional love. And you can have sattva in different people, in different foods, in different objects, herbs, and different beings like the sun. And I personally am someone who is constantly developing my relationship with the sun and has done so particularly in the past decade in a much more rich way that I used to. And also my guest joining me, Nateen Artemis, is also a fellow sun worshipper, a fellow sun enthusiastic health practitioner who also researches the science of the sun and is understanding the mechanics of how the sun influences health and overall in a positive health-giving way, and how to operate and relate with the sun in that way. Nadine is a beauty philosopher, an aromacologist, and a botanical muse who shapes plant intelligence into palpable concentrations to blush senses and muse imaginations. She's the founder of Living Libations, where she crafts elegant formulations and healing creations from botanicals that have skins glowing around the world, and you may know it, but it's a it, it's a brand where people who get these products become quite long-term devoted customers. She's the author of Renegade Beauty and Holistic Dental Care, the complete guide to healthy teeth and gums. She opened North America's first full-concept aromatherapy store in 1994, and her concept of Renegade Beauty encourages effortlessness and inspires people to rethink conventional notions of beauty and wellness. So we talk about that. We talk about sun, we talk about skin health, we talk about breast health, breast cancer, melatonin, hormone replacement therapy, washing, bathing, vaginal health, vaginal microbiome, odors, perfumes, all that. So, hope you enjoyed this episode. If you do, leave a review on iTunes, tag Vital Beta, tag Living Libations, Nadine Artemis, let us know what you think. Listen to the end for some extra juicy resources. Enjoy. Okay, Nadine, welcome to the Vital Veda Show. The first question I ask to every guest is, what is your morning routine? What did you do today? Well, what I like to do is, uh, and what I did today, I usually wake up before the sunrise and then I'll like buy it, you know, find one, do a biohacking thing, which is usually like some PMF, sorry, PEMF, I say it's fast, and red light. To get in, you know, just to make sure if the, because in case the sun is like super cloudy or, you know, or it's like the middle of winter, um, then I've got that red light because I think that's just a wonderful first morning thing, especially if you've woken up a bit early, just kind of, it's like, I don't know, kind of going back into like just being surrounded by the red light. It's just very meditative. So I like the first thing to be very meditative. And then, I'm catching the sunrise, but of course it, you know, like in the middle of summer, it was practically like 4.40 coming up in the morning. Now it's eight o'clock, you know, which is just such a huge difference. So it's 8 a.m., which is, you know, so we've lost already like three hours of light on the morning end. Um, and then that, that I love, you know, so hopefully, you know, it's, it's like, it is cold sometimes, but this morning I could still get my feet on the ground. And I'm watching, you know, really connecting with that ball rising, looking at it, you know, hopefully about half an hour. 
if it's the summer, then hopefully I'm like extending that time in the sun and, you know, even doing like an hour or so there, you know, then getting to eating and working. What do you do in the sun when you're in the early morning sun? Well, just, I'm just hanging out. Like, just, just, it's just very, it's not like you're like meditating, meditating, but it is meditative, if that okay. makes sense. I'm just like there in nature and like hearing the sounds you know, the crickets, the bullfrogs, the loons, whatever's going on there. Um, we even made a little sunrise thing. So we made a dock. It's just like a little square dock Beautiful. with a chaise lounge on it with an electric motor. And then we can oh. just, you know, go out into the mist or well, at sunrise. On a lake. Yeah, we're, we live <laughs> on a lake. <laughs> so it's all right. like about, yeah, like where's the sun? How can we capture it? And then the, our vitamin D is about to go in like one more week. We've got one more week left. Then it goes for three months. Um, so then I'm, tr you know, probably getting a little bit of work done and then going back out if it's sunny to get some vitamin D time in. Okay. So, so many things I want to talk just there. First of all, I love how you have designed your home to implement these health practices and also in honor of the sun it's us as well we're not as developed in in how much we can renovate and, and how big of a home but we've made a pontoon we, we live in a creek similar to a lake and we've made that on the in the west so we meditate there in that twice a day morning and afternoon and that's our Dude. afternoon sun yeah the morning we still have to create more on the east side of our house we have to create more in our front yard or you know we've made our garden but we need to next yeah. make a Get place higher. to sunbathe yeah. yeah, maybe get yeah. A little, yeah on top of the and roof a place, and just a place to sunbathe and and yeah. pruning the trees the right way. Like we we definitely design our home in according to the sun and, and particularly how we can sunbathe maximum. And in yes. the middle of the day, we work at this part, we work outside at this part, and then at later hours we have to move to this area. So yeah, we've just totally. moved in I for do. a few months. Yeah. And then, like around the land, we have like like spots that we've created. Like in the summer, the sun's yes. here for sunset, yes. and it's here for sunset. It's good. I so love I get it. it. <laughs> Some people, and I even I was speaking to a friend who writes books. She's a big author, and mm. it's like she's designed in her house by certain things when creating their homes. We've yeah. also starting to pride, make a place for doing oil massage because we do that every day. Oh, what other things have you created in your home for health or like some unusual? I, I want to say too to people listening, like as also we've been here for 17 years and also yeah. it was our intention when we came. So it, like it can be quite deep and then you're getting to learn the rhythms and all that. So just in case anybody's feeling like it's not happening too fast enough, mm -hmm. it can take a moment. Um, so sorry, what else do we do to like celebrate like the sun and the movement? Oh no, what else have you, not only sun, but have you created anything else in your home? Oh in yeah. order unique designs in accordance to yes. your health rituals and health practices? Well, for sure there's like the different areas to sunbathe. Like, so in February, I'm actually like up here cause I can just open the, it's cold. It could be like minus, right? So I can like still be inside, but getting the sun, but like come April, this is way too hot. So we have like different areas to go to. And then um, we had a storage room and then we renovated it to like, not really renovated, but we cleared out the storage stuff and then made it into like kind of like our version of a Medi Spa. And so it's got like an ozonated sauna. We've got the red light therapy there, uh, pulse electromagnetic frequency. Um, the thing I like about the, like some of the biohacking equipment is that, well, in my book, Renegade Beauty, the main sort of thesis is like to really revive our beings, we need to engage with the elements. So it's not really about another bottle of cream or supplement. I mean, it, you know, that is probably in there, but to really get that foundational sort of union with the universe, it's we've got to kind of reconnect with the cosmos through the elements. And what's cool is like, it's not however many years ago where we're surviving the elements. We generally all have like some shelter running water now, you know, so now we can engage with the elements in a different way, um, you know, in a little bit more of a, a luxury way, so to speak, because we're not surviving it. Um, so that's, you know, about getting the sun in or, in the biohacking, that sort of red light or, you know, not having the blue light at night. Um, and then air, so, you know, fresh air 
clean home air, how, you know, which could be a variety of things, just making sure a, you don't have mold and maybe you're adding things back into the air, like essential oils or, um, you know, air filter kind of things and then water. So making sure you have a good water source to bathe and to be in, to hopefully jump in the lake or the ocean and also do that, but also like having, you know, uh, filtered water if you need it um, or whatever you need to do to get better water at home if that's needed. And then, you know, you can like have baths in like frankincense and magnesium flakes or, you know, that kind of thing. So you're engaging with the water and then the earth. So the bounty of the food, lying on the earth, standing on the earth, um, you know, walking in the forest or like, you know, anointing the body with the beautiful gifts from the earth, like oiling the body, massaging with the beautiful bounty of botanicals. And um, yeah, so those elements. So I like, you know, so it's like whatever you can do to realistically um, and then aim higher for reality, (laughs) you know, to bring those into your life. Because I really feel like, A, it's like up-leveling your engagement with whatever, you know, made everything connecting to the cosmos in that way. And, um, you know, I think that's just a good foundation for being a human on the planet is like those elements are here for us to nurture us. Beautiful. And I love how you said, you know, aiming, being realistic, but aiming high, because I think how interact with these elements in a refined way, in a highest value we can, because you can look at Australia, they have heaters like they sell heaters in hardware stores and the heater is a screen. It's a, it's like a screen of a fire. It's like a picture. It's like a video of a fire. I'm like, is this what we're going to? Is this going to be the fire element in the future? Because we don't have fire anymore. We're going to be getting artificial. It has no infrared. No, exactly. (laughs) And this is a way of interacting with the fire element, but on a very low grade level. Yeah. And a lot of the biohacking stuff kind of concentrates the elements, you know, even if it's like Mm. bringing in hydrogen or ozone, um, you know, the pulse electromagnetic frequencies, the red light, you know, um, you know, for a general. And so that's what's cool. So then we're taking, you know, then that's sort of like a good use of the technology other than getting further away from who we are. Um, Your vitamin D is lasting. So I'm, I'm curious about that living in Canada, like we don't have the cold at all like you do. So does your vitamin D stores from summer last? And do you need to take supplements in winter? Um, so it, what's great is a few years ago, I started doing the D-Minder app, which is a great, it's a simple app made by like a grassroots vitamin D company. So it's it's nice, it's simple. And then anytime I go in the sun, I'll track that and then it calculates it or if I do have a supplement, but I'm good like, you know, sort of March till, so I'm good now, but it will run out come December. So kind of like, I feel like, and it's really interesting because, you know, we have the sun all summer, we have it for nine months and I'm really like dedicated to getting that time in. And it's still like, it's not like, yeah, it's still like I've got to work, not work at it, but you know what I mean? Like the levels aren't like just always so juicy So I really feel like if that's my level of commitment, you know, obviously most people here just really need a lot more sunshine and vitamin D because it doesn't last that long. So I'll get, I'm, I'll get, you know, filled up through the summer, but I am running out by December. So come November, like we've got one more week left, then I will start supplementing because I have found other winters, you know, especially come January when I'm even more <laughs> run out of the vitamin D. Um, yeah, that's just, you can just feel more vulnerable to viruses and stuff. So definitely supplement, um, you know, always doing with a D3 with a K2. Um, but it's really important to get the sun and skin exposure, no matter where you are, is bringing that in as part of your vitamin D strategy. And I, I think you know, most Canadians and probably most people around the world, if unless they're, you know, living in Australia and really focusing on the sun, you're going to need both because the amount and it can't, you can't just get like, it's not 20 minutes a day. I think that's sort of a bit of a modern, you know, yeah, just sunshine 20 minutes a day. Well, like when, um, you know, is it at nine or nine 30 in the morning? Cause it's, that's not enough at all. You know, I'm out like midsummer, you know, like 11 till noon, 11 to 1230 bringing it in. And, um, 
yeah, it's not just like you can't just get that 20 minutes in and think you're going to have enough vitamin D at all. And it is really essential for so much, um, you know, so many of our gene expressions for dental health. I mean, even things like bruxism and teeth grinding, it's looking like that is really stemming from a deficiency in D. And like the biggest um, cause of juvenile diabetes, for example, is a lack of vitamin D in pregnant moms. So it is really key. And you always want to combine it, like get a D3K2 combo. But the magic of the sun hitting your skin is, you know, such an alchemical thing. And our skin was literally designed to be exposed to the sun's rays, you know, not to be overexposed, hopefully, but we do need that engagement because it's a different type of vitamin D. It's a water soluble type of vitamin D. It creates a very healthy form of a cholesterol sulfate. You're also increasing things like antimicrobial peptides and catholicidins, which are just so good for the immune system. And I'm sure for the next hundred years, we're going to still be learning more about what the sun, you know, in our skin is doing. And also the eyes, the eyes need the sun. Um, studies have shown, and it was started in the, in the 20s, the 1920s, Dr. Auguste Rollier, he had uh, like um, in Lausanne, Switzerland, a heliotherapy like hospital where people would go from all over Europe to cure things like tuberculosis and stuff. And it's a, you can look at pictures in Google. It's really cool. It's like a kind of a hospital setting, but with huge verandas and everybody's on their beds outside or the kids are like out kind of in these little like snow beds and they're kind of wearing diapers to get that exposure. And you can even see some before and afters of kids, children that had rickets and, you know, their, their spine and their bones, you could just see not like no strength there. And then there's like a, a month later or up to a year and you, it's black and white photos, but you can see a tan and like the bones are strong and you can just see like how vital it is to our health. Um, but, you know, especially in the past hundred years, we're inside more and more and more blue light and our skin isn't getting what it needs. And there's also cones in the eye Oh, yeah. What I was going to with the August really, he found that if you wear your sunglasses, you're not getting the benefits of the vitamin D. Um, so it's important that we have that engagement with our eyes with the sun. It's very good for health. Of course, I'm not talking about staring at it directly at noon, but you're looking in the direction of the sun. And in the sunrise sunset hours, you've got at least a good half hour where you can be looking at it. And if it's too strong, because, you know, we kind of are eyes aren't used to so much light. And so you maybe you're coming out of your home and squinting. Um, so it's also actually a good way to like not get crow's feet is to allow your eyes to be able to receive a lot of light. And so you can just cover one eye and and look at the sun and then cover the other one. And that that that'll do the trick and you can build up to it. Um, yeah, but there's cones in the eyes that just literally, they have nothing to do with vision, but they're receiving the light information to feed it directly to the mitochondria, which is the inside our cells, which is sort of the powerhouse of our health and our cells. So we're nourishing that with these light waves. Vitamin D comes in through the eyes. Oh, no, sorry, not vitamin D. I mean, it might come through. I'm not sure of all the componentry, but there's just like a whole bunch of other light information that's coming in yeah. through the eyes. I did a post on why sunglasses are unhealthy, and that got a bit of pushback, particularly coming from uh, a beach town and a lot of friends who and community who like to wear sunglasses. But it's really that mental state of wearing sunglasses. It's like, in Ayurveda, we call it tamas, or that dullness, that dull energy, inertia energy, depressed energy, don't want people to see into your yeah. eyes. Come on, man, let me see into you. Let's be present with each other. It's in the Vedic system. but uh, Yes. Yeah, again, yeah, have life. your sunglasses if you need them for those moments. Uh, what You know, but like don't make a lifestyle out of it. And these are the people who go out in the day and it's too strong. The light is too strong. For yeah. too strong so that's for like a first. That's like if it's too strong, then you've got to like. Flag. Yeah. And like that means you're, you know, your eyes are weak. And yep. the muscles around them are weak. And just to There's a song that we had in the 80s. My <laughs> like was Canadian. It was called, I wear my sunglasses at night. And yeah, like, exactly. That's, that's exactly. a good time to wear them. <laughs> exactly. And then you can block the blue light. <laughs>
just to be clear, like it is good to wear sunglasses in places like the snow where it is very white. Or you got to be driving and something, you know, you need to see, you know. Yes. If you struggle with it, if you have vulnerable eyes for whatever reason, of course, use Hmm. them. And sometimes it can just be like a visor, right? Where you're just giving some shade. Um, Dr. Auguste Rollier did find that if people were in the shade, they, and but they weren't wearing sunglasses, they would still receive benefits of the sunlight. So I think mm. that's about the, you know, a lot. There's so much we don't know about. Again, it's not just vitamin D. There's just the whole light spectrum, right? The whole red, orange, yellow, green, blue, violet, indigo situation. And the morning light is, so you may not be getting a tan or getting vitamin D, but you're getting that early red light, the infrared, and that's so key. And what I learned um, just like a few years ago, which I found really fascinating, because we know about um, melatonin and its secretion of the pineal gland at night. That's only about 5% of the story. What's supposed to be happening is we're supposed to get that red light in the morning. And that means you can just be out and about walking your dog. You don't have to, it's not like, you know, stripping down and like, you know, sunbathing. It's just about being outside, getting that morning light. And then that creates an intercellular melatonin that's sort of this dance partner of the mitochondria and it acts as the body's most potent antioxidant it's more potent than glutathione than vitamin e vitamin c and it acts as this cooling fluid that um, from the atp conversion there's no matter how healthy you are there's always like a waste product of oxidants and free radicals And so it like quenches the free radicals from inside the mitochondria. And that's pretty key. Yeah, that's amazing. We all thought melatonin is mainly secreted at night. It's got more of a day job than a night job. Wow. And as you said, like we don't have to look at the direct light, just letting natural light hit our retina. Yes. And, and without another, a glass, right? Without glass in between. Yeah, without, exactly. Yeah. Because then you're just getting UVA and UVA without its ultra par- ultraviolet partner, UVB, is it's kind of like, you know, it's not whole. It's like, yes. and so, and that's interesting because that's what sunscreen does. So sunscreen splits those rays besides the chemicals and all that. It's literally then you're putting it on your body and you're, it's not bringing, then you're blocking off the UVB. So you're not generating any vitamin D. So there's not much point in being in the sun. And then you're just receiving isolated UVA, which is skin damaging. So that's like, if you think of like, maybe like a trucker and they're like, you know, every night on this westerly route and that arm that's by the window is just going to have like more freckles and that kind of stuff. Cause it's just getting the light through the window. Now, of course, in a home you want, all kinds of windows and letting the light in in that full spectrum, but you're not going to like sit in front of like, you know, a window all dig. You want to be in the ambience of it, but not, not directly for like long periods like that. Well, you mentioned that you right now are sitting in your February spot in your house with a window. Is that just for warmth and ambience? Well, I'm kind of like, I'm like air and light bathing. I'm not getting vitamin D, but I'm getting all the other juice that like, which we know some of the stuff, like we know, like there's that red light, there's the, just that beautiful infrared. And then who knows, you know, what other juice is getting, but, um, there's studies have shown too. So people that are north of the vitamin D line, which I think is 33 degrees latitude. Um, if they were out in the winter in the morning light, they had um, elevated immune to fight off viruses, just like people that were getting vitamin D. So I think there's a lot of secrets in there that we're going to be discovering for thousands of years. And so why not just like capture it all? Be like, you know, I think of like a dream catcher, but you want to want to be like a sun catcher. <laughs> <laughs> and then what I was going to say is another key thing about um, melatonin is it's, you can take it during the day because um, you can use it therapeutically. It doesn't have a negative feedback loop. So it doesn't dull your body's own production, like another, like supplementing with other hormones. So that's, that's cool. Really? Um, yeah. But it's a great sun protection. So you can tan, but you won't get burnt. So are you saying that if you take melatonin supplements, it is not going to make your penile gland lazy? No. 
It doesn't. And there's like a lot of research for that. Some of my favorite researchers on that are Dr. Dr. Russell Ryder, R-E-I-T-E-R. And he's been studying melatonin since he was 24 and he's like 80 something now. And Dr. John Lawrence is also good. And he makes, uh, his company has these melatonin suppositories. Cause I actually like, I took it a couple times at night a few years ago and I was like, like 30, 40% of the population are like this and you get, you don't sleep. It's kind of, or like you kind of skim. I felt like you're skimming across your dreams. It's not deep kind of wake up at three. You kind of wake up feeling a bit hungover. So I wasn't into it at all. And then I was studying about the daytime stuff. So I started taking it in the daytime. So sometimes it might be in the morning and then sometimes I might, as long as I'm taking it like kind of at sunset between like, or, you know, four to six sort of time and not like right before bed, then I won't get that kind of hungover thing. And then during the day, you know, you got to try it like on weekends at first, because you can definitely get a bit nappy, you know, kind of have these like power naps. But once you kind of acclimatize to it, it's, it's really cool because you can, you're totally functional, but it's just like, you can just feel there's like, I don't know, it brings like a inner kind of lubrication to the cells. It just feels like it. And um, it also feels like a good chill, like, you know, not in any strange way, but like, I don't kind of like CBD ish or just something like, Hey, it's all right. You know? Mm -hmm. So that's nice. And so, yeah, taking it before you have like some powerhouse sun sessions, it's really, really nice. Do you have children, Nadine? I do. I have a 16 year old son. Okay. I would love to ask about babies and sunlight because Mm. as you probably know, in Australia, the sun is considered evil. (laughs) It's a new PR agency over in Australia. It needs a shift in the collective consciousness so that people perceive the sun as a divine being who is the very giver of life and health itself. Exactly. So, exactly. And just shifting your perception of that will, will change it. But anyway, so what about babies in sunlight? Yeah. And I love when I see a young toddler with a good tan. It just looks so healthy. Let's, stri- let's oh, chat yeah. straight from infancy. And, of course, this is a remedy for jaundice. Yeah. What do you think about babies in light? Like, in terms of straight from infancy, I know I know they say with the to prevent jaundice. I'm speaking about from yeah, birth, first back week. in the old day, and they used but to put lights it. to help it. Oh, they so yes, jaundice still around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We just we we have a newborn, and midwives today recommend to get ten minutes of sunlight or daylight in the first week to avoid jaundice and especially to treat it if it is already there. Got a sore, still some yellow was there. A midwife told me 60% of babies have jaundice. Wow. But that's the spectrum of jaundice. It can be anywhere on the spectrum. Um, Leaf was born at like 5.30 at night. It was like on solstice. Um, Not that it matters, but I'm just telling it. Um, Anyway, so he was born at night. And then, they, you know, there's that thing with the belly button and stuff. And um, because you got to make sure that heals, obviously. So the next day, we just brought him right out to the sunlight, just in our arms. They're so tiny. And yeah, again, like that, we uh, was probably not very long, probably 10 minutes, because they're just so fresh. And um, then they came back the next day, as the midwives do, and they're like, what did you do? Like, the belly button is totally healed. I'm like, well, you know, we put on a drop of frankincense, put them in the sun. (laughs) So yeah, and then you just build it up. And it's kind of the same rules for all the ages um you know you want to start slowly but surely and you start and they're fresh so it's just it is in those few minute intervals but you can build on that just like if somebody's you know like an irish descent and they haven't been in the sun for years you want to start slowly but surely and um in the hours where there is vitamin D, maybe at those beginning hours so the dminder app is great because it will tell you you put in your longitude latitude and it will tell you exactly when the UV rays start kicking in and you can measure how many IUs you're creating. And that's what you do and you get them used to it. And my, and my son, um, yeah, like he's never really gotten burnt. And that also has given him like, you know, when he's not around, you know, an adult that might go, oh, wait, you know, but he's like, he's like done really well because he has that sort of base layer. 
Do you measure your vitamin D levels through the D-Minder app? Yeah, because vitamin D is such a, like, it's a living thing in your body and it's fluctuating all the time. So, you know, even if you, yeah, it's really, it's like kind of a thing that we have to, I mean, you can go a few days without, but we have to be replenishing it, you know, and the, our diets don't really have it unless, you know, there's like rare food that we're not really eating, like, you know, cod liver, liver, like those have sources, but nobody's really eating those on a, you know, a scale that's going to get them sufficient vitamin D. And then if you're eating fortified foods, which I don't think you are, um, you know, it's not even the right kind of D that they fortify foods with. It's D2, which isn't even, it's not really a thing. You know? So you're it's, not getting blood tests. You're just using the app. No, I mean, I start, you know what I did? I, I just started at zero even though I'm sure I had some in me. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. You can totally, I mean, it is advised. You get a blood test and you could start with that number, but I'm just like, let's just start from scratch, you know. But one time I did go too long and then luckily you can find um, through some online resources, you can get like injectable vitamin D and it's a very easy intramuscular. And that was handy because sometimes you might just need to really give yourself like a 50,000 IU shot to just like get things rolling mm -hmm. okay i just want to add as a little disclaimer if you're going to take your baby out to the sun please cover their eyes well in their face you uh, don't know where they're looking and that kind of stuff yeah and also yeah. they're just we want to keep that womb they've been in darkness for 10 months so we want ah. to just slowly transition them into the light you know and everybody we... too in the beginning like hold them too like yeah. in the light you know sure for sure. No, but in Ayurveda, we oil their bodies beforehand is if you could Definitely. do that as well, right? And that's a good protection. Well, mm -hmm. that's my next kind of topic I was going to bring up is is skin. And one thing I wrote, once wrote an article because why a sunbathe is still low in vitamin D. And mm -hmm. we were looking at, you know, we call them the leatherbacks in, in the <laughs> beach where we live. You know, those, those people who are kind of like my idols because they just sit all day and read newspaper and ba sunbathe. And they yeah, they have like a whole beach life. <laughs> <laughs> and, but it was because why they're still low in vitamin D is because their skin physiology is quite poor and they can't uh. metabolize the vitamin D well. So I wanted to talk to you about skin health and because you, of course, are a renowned creator of skincare products. You, you shape plant intelligence into these beautiful concentrations. And so this culture of over-sanitization and yeah. even with even in the quote-unquote natural you know beauty industry natural cosmetics natural soaps and stuff it's it's still happening so i just want to like kind of put it get it just straight on the line and not that we're telling the definitive truth but just to bring this perspective of kind of what's what's an ideal ish way to cleanse the body and the skin with soaps and all the parts of the body we can talk about. Mm -hmm. but, um, well, yeah, also too, wanna... like a good vitamin D baseline is also going to help your time in the sun. It's just a bit of a catch-22 because you kind of need the D to create the D and all that kind of stuff. And then soaping, um, even in general, I recommend just like, you know, bits and pits for the soap. So, you know, you can scrub your nails. Obviously, that's a great thing to do. Wash your hands, scrub your nails wash your pits. Um, again, it doesn't have to be every day. And then, you know, wash your bits. Um, but again, that doesn't have to be every day. And, you know, hopefully it's a, a natural soap, like a clay soap or, you know, a soap from the farmer's market. And then actually, even after that, especially for women, um, I recommend just also following that with a bit of oil. So which you can do in the bath or shower, just when you get out, you could just put a squirt on a face cloth that's damp and just go over that area um, or on a cotton pad. And it's just good if it's just a little bit wet, like a damp in the cotton pad, put a squirt of oil and then go over that area. Um, and that's just good, good hygiene on so many levels. Uh, you could use olive oil for that, coconut oil, jojoba oil. We make yoni serums and shiva lingam serums, which can be used. Um, but you know, it's also can be quite simple with just some beautiful olive oil and you're kind of just putting that moisture back in because, you know, obviously urine is just like acidic and then toilet paper it's there's stuff in there. Right. And so, especially that women, you know, that just many times a day, 
the toilet paper, you know, hopefully you've got like a natural cotton underwear because then it's like toilet paper, polyester underwear. It's not, it's not a good recipe. And then some kind of harsh fragrant soap and then some kind of like, you know, chemical yoni cleanser. That's not a good recipe for that whole microbiome at all. And, um, can even be some of the root issues for infertility and stuff, which can be a real struggle. So it's like, if there's something simple that can be done, you may as well do that. So that's for the soap. And then if you've been out in the sun, you don't, don't soap, you know, again, hopefully you're not like, we don't need to soap our arms and stuff like ever, um, unless somehow they got, you know, dirty somehow, but you know what I mean? So, and then you don't want to be soaping up after because the vitamin D is like kind of like a fat, you know, that's being created. You're creating a cholesterol sulfate. So you want to like, let it sink into the skin and, and let it drink in. And then, um, I think oil, it's, uh, really helps prepare the body, especially if you haven't been out in a while and like SPF for sunscreen, sun protection factor, that term can is only designated or allowed or sanctified for chemical ingredients. So that's like, you know, a whole other class, but botanical oils, again, this is like metaphorically and they range, but like an olive oil, jojoba, coconut, they kind of have like an SPF of about a six, seven, eight, nine. So it, you know what I mean? Like, again, kind of comparing apples to plastic apples, <laughs> but um so it does prepare the body and it helps like drink in the sun a bit, prepares it, opens the pores. Um, it's really nice if you've been, uh, you know, in the, in a lake or the ocean to oil up afterwards, sit in the sun. And it just helps the body receive those sun's rays a little bit more. And prevent it from getting burnt. If, if yeah, and then there's that little bit. Yeah, it gives you that little bit of, uh, so if somebody's using, we, I made a botanical concoction, which is richly pigmented um, with, you know, jojoba and like essential oils too, that help, um, even repair, um, you know, skin cellular damage. And they all have shown like in various studies, really neat things to help the skin, um, receive sunlight, that kind of thing. So I put that all together in something called everybody loves the sunshine. And I'm just bringing that up because it just, it helps people extend their time in the sun. So for some people that might be like 10 minutes, and if you've got like a great, you know, Mediterranean, if you're rocking a good like Mediterranean uh, heritage, that could be all you need all day. And then it brings in and kind of get more of a golden tan. And again, you can kind of achieve that a bit, even with simple things like olive oil or jojoba or combining a little bit of coconut oil in there. So it doesn't have to be that complicated. You don't need necessarily what I've made. Um, but it does help just bring in those rays and extend the time in the sun. So it's good for people, especially if they're starting out, to just have that extra lubrication. Hmm. Yeah, we're all about lubrication. Yes. <laughs> and then, yeah, if you, right. you know, obviously there's going to be times where, yeah, like obviously you could get burnt and you don't want to get burnt. Um, then, you know, you could wear a hat, wear... Exactly. You know, go to the shade, put on a shirt. Um, or we do make one with zinc, which is also pretty easy to make homemade. You know, you could just combine one of those oils with about 20% zinc. You want to do a non, non, uh, oh my God, where all, it's like a non, I don't, losing the words, uh, but it's like a non nanoized, like non uh, coated zinc, because some of the zinc molecules are coated. But anyway, what zinc does, which is that classic, you know, you see the, lifeguards with the zinc on yeah. their nose. You can make it like not be that white. Um, but what that does is a block. It's a true block. And so the, the rays bounce off your skin. And so that's useful because you can't, you know, if you're surfing, you can't like just dress up necessarily yeah. or wear a hat. So there are times when cool. that's very handy and that would be your natural solution. You mentioned about washing off after sunbathing. I've heard mixed science around this. After getting some exposure, hmm. some people say you should not jump in the ocean or have a shower because it's going to wash off the vitamin D absorption. But then I, some people have said that science is not good. So what are your thoughts on that? Like say I'm sunbathing all day at the beach for an yeah. hour, I've got good sun and 
I'm hot. I want to jump in the ocean. Well, yeah, I say do? jump in and out of the creek, the ocean, the lake, all you want. What you don't want to do is have a shower in a municipal tap water situation with soap. So right. enjoy right. the water, but just don't have like a city shower. <laughs> cool. And if you and if you have to, for whatever reason, maybe your skin is sensitive to the salt water. Like I know some people, they have yeah. to bathe after because it burns them because of yes. the skin issues. Then, you know, having that oil on before the water is going to give, again, a protection from Yeah, it'll help with the, the salt as water. well. What I, like, oh, I love yeah. having like a ni- like, nice bath or something before sunbathing. It doesn't always work. But then you're like, you know, feeling mm. super clean and then bringing in that fresh sunshine. It's nice, but not necessary. Okay, awesome. Um, And I just want to bring in the smell aspect because, yeah, like this. And when you're talking about all the products to the vagina, it's like I feel, and I, as you said, fertility, like the biggest thing we see in our clinic is fertility issues. We deal every day with people with fertility problems or preconception if they just want to conceive naturally. Oh, well, with consciousness, I mean. (laughs) But I just feel like when you were talking people the women's yonis that reproductive area is it's become so sterilized it's like so sensitive as well like anything any pathogen any bacteria like they they it affects and it manifests as a pathogen and not just in the vaginal orifice but so many different areas especially these orifices our oral health so if you have um like gum you know peri period oh my god i don't know the word anyway gum disease so like i'm really basically a dysbiosis with the mouse microbiome literally uh it could may mean like a preterm delivery Mm. so they've really connected that and that's a microbiome thing and then the yoni microbiome is so key but like we haven't been fostering the kind of environment it needs with our modern hygiene so a just like again soap's not bad but there's a lot of soap that's just that is not good um you know think of all the foaming soapy things with fragrance oils and sodium lauryl sulfate and all that so there's that issue then there's um lubrication like for intercourse you've got well spermicide obviously it's a it's a side, right? Anything with this, it's going to be killing things. Um, and then uh, like, or even like what some people feel is natural ish, like a KY jelly that a is glycerin based. So it's very high in sugar. So it's like totally a yeast maker. And then studies show um, with use of KY jelly, it makes the, so it does this thing called osmolarity because there's all this um, water moisture on the outside. So the cell tries to balance itself and then it releases its own water. So you have this temporary lubrication that leads to like a long-term drought. And what they saw under the microscope is that the vaginal cells shrivel up and they kind of look like these cellular raisins under the microscope from people using KY jelly. And then that also makes... Uh, cells inside the vagina slough off too early and there's more sort of sloughed off cells creating a vi- environment that's more susceptible to things like STDs. So that's not a good situation either. Um, you know, there's a lot of natural, a beautiful, like you could, you know, co- cacao butter, coconut oil. I mean, just that is it's that simple. That'll give you enough lube. But of course, none of those things work with condoms. Cause they'll just, you know, they don't vegetable oil and condoms don't mix, <laughs> but I don't know. So it's no, no, it's not a perfect system. Um, in my book, Renegade Beauty, just on a side note, I have like a very extensive a footnote on um, neem for men's birth control. Um, they did a study with the Indian army in India and it was very successful. It doesn't lower testosterone. Um, the moment the man stops taking the neem, it's all good. You know, there's no delay to conception. So it seems like a really cool choice. Is that internal use? Internal yeah, control. it's like just a few capsules a day. Mm, That's like, it literally seems like what we've always wanted. <laughs> like, you know what Was I it mean? an extract or the whole No, herb? just like the powdered herb. Wow. 
which is so easy and there's you know there's ayurvedic and (laughs) yeah and i just want to say as well like like for example i've been taking neem for years and i had no issues did you go off of it no but what i was going to say is it was in a formula so whenever we add herbs in a formula it changes because we have an entourage effect of balancing certain qualities like neem by itself is is a lot but yeah. This was in a formula with about 20 other herbs. Yeah, it's uh, That's neat. Yeah, again, yeah. like it, the studies are pretty extensive. I haven't worked with that personally, but it it really seems solid. So I feel like I don't know, I feel like that's when everybody's always dreamed about maybe something the woman doesn't have to do and maybe something that doesn't affect our bodies negatively. And then also I feel um and then menstrual care is another area that I feel like can really affect fertility like Obviously there's moments where you you know you need to feel secure in what's going on down there but you know if you could just generally not put anything in there even like great that the cup or you know the cup and those things were made and it's more environmentally friendly but don't I just like don't put it up there you know we got to find some other solutions because we just don't need to put man-made objects in there especially at that time during the month that channel yeah. should be unobstructed for blood to yeah. flow down and out. I reckon menstrual underwear is a great choice. Yeah, that's like I'm such an amazing invention is that is the underwear. And there's like organic types now too, which is amazing. Right. On the topic of women's health, let's talk breasts. Bras, deodorant, breast cancer is super common. I want to, first of all, empower women to take care for their breast health because mm-hmm. I don't see that enough. And at the same time, remove the fear of breast cancer, which is so prevalent. I feel like, yeah, it's like we have these parts of our bodies and then, yeah, then society just kind of makes us get afraid of them, mm. you know, and like, oh, what's lurking? What's in there? Is a lump growing? You know, all that kind of stuff. Some women are fearful of their breasts, but simply shifting your relationship to a loving, caring relationship this creates health just like if you shift your relationship to the sun simply seeing it as an ally a life-giving health supporting ally that is open and capable for reciprocal love and care you receive that support and really all of life like every breath is a relation to creation so you may as well have fun with it (laughs) and know that that's what's going on and the sun is helpful get those breaths in the sun um uh, having sufficient vitamin D will reduce the chances of breast cancer by 50%, wow. which is huge. That's like, I think like not drinking alcohol is like a 10 or 15% produ- reduction. Wow. So this is pretty huge. Um, iodine is big. I do write about that extensively in the book. Uh, generally the world population is kind of iodine deficient right now. And uh, our thyroids have an iodine supporter pump. So our thyroids literally need iodine. And if it doesn't get iodine, it will find from fluoride, bromide, chloride, it will find the molecules and then put those in sort of the parking slots where the, the iodine is supposed to be because it need, they're from the same group of halide, um, the halide um, minerals. So they look the same. So they'll go to the receptor. The, yeah, for the for it's kind of like a lock and key, and so for the thyroid, it's thinking that is it, and that is in our modern diets way too much, and our modern exposure. So you want to have the iodine in there so that those little locks and locks are filled with what it actually needs, yep. and the breasts are the next organ or gland that that next to the thyroid for women that need iodine, and um, it does seem that. Uh, especially women that are fibrotic and and their breasts might get super tender in menstruation time is a lack of iodine. And as soon as you start bringing those iodine levels up, that tenderness usually totally dissipates. And it doesn't mean that anything would develop, but that can be like having fibrotic breasts, you know, come 70 years old, you know, might kind of like it's you know you want to have them not be like that so you if you're feeling that when you're young it's a good time to take care of it and then breast massage is a great thing um it's just pretty simple uh there's instructions in my book but it's you know it's just not really a wrong way to do it it's about getting that lymphatic flow going and then studies have shown too is adding i have a recipe that had 
if you're adding uh, orange essential oil, and I can't remember the amount, it's like, I think between five and like 7% orange oil, it's really high in limoline, which is a natural monoterpene. And that has great, great results. Um, uh, and I can't remember all the things from that study, but it's pretty groundbreaking. And it even helps like bring the cells sort of back to their happy place, so to speak. And then the other thing is, so you got the massage, definitely like think about bras or like whatever's holding them up. You don't want to have, uh, you know, and there's so many tops now that are just like, uh, you can get an organic cotton with like a 5% Lycra. So it has a bit of a stretch and can hold up, you know, many shapes and sizes without getting into, you don't want to be doing underwire. Uh, you know, maybe you need it for a, a moment or a special occasion, but it's not like your daily go-to. You want to have them kind of free. And then just like if we broke our arm and but had it in a sling forever, it would atrophy. And so, you know, wearing things like that does sort of atrophy the muscles around. And uh, so it's good, you know, develop those pec muscles and keep your your breasts happy that way. Um, and then what I wanted to add, because really in the last 30 years, there's been such a, a move to like eating vegetables and eating a healthy diet, but some of the, and now we're getting too much of anti-nutrients. So things like phytic acid or oxalates and oxalates will calcify tissues in the body because it's robbing the bones of calcium basically and then depositing in the body so for some it could be kidney stones for some it's arthritis or eczema um 85 of adults over 50 have oxalates in their thyroid so it can be a root cause of a lot of issues and they can also cause fibroids and cysts when you have too much oxalates in the diet so you want to go low oxalate it's not like gluten where you can just like be no like gluten-free because oxalates are in everything, but you don't want to be having like green smoothies with spinach and almond milk. That's like, whoa, <laughs> you know? And transforming these foods. In Ayurveda, we are all about transforming the substance or food before we use it. It is said in Ayurveda, blanch spinach in boiling water for about 30 seconds, then chuck yes. the water out, wash the spinach and use it. That significantly removes the oxalic crystals from spinach, silver beet, New Zealand spinach, aka warrigal greens, which are high oxalate leafy green vegetables. It does. And also there's so many green leafy vegetables, you know, you could also probably find a lot of other things, but having that like raw, yeah, yeah, the raw spinach, like in five leaves and you've done your whole oxalates for the day. Yeah. So, you know, and I just feel like now we're not eating seasonally and it's like... Mm. It's, it can be for some people all oxalates, right? Like, you know, like every part of their meal. And I just think that's a good, at least it's definitely something that's, you know, been forming and because it's like eat your vegetables, right? For like 30 there, years, drink your almond milk. There's, <laughs> there's a lot of issues with the green smoothie, but we yes. won't go, go to the rest for now. <laughs> we'll leave yes. um, Iodine. I personally don't love supplements or nutraceuticals. Yeah, I hear you. They can be useful for acute treatment or short term, but anything you put in your mouth, your liver has to metabolize it. And these nutraceuticals are synthetically made, hard to digest and hard to metabolize supplements. I prefer getting these nutrients from foods or from whole herbs. It's not in our, um, it's not really in our food anymore because it's not really in the soil. And I love, like, is it a primary thing that our body, like, functions on and is, like, a part of us for, like, iodine, like, almost before we were human, it was a part of us. Like, it kind of helped make us into people. <laughs> that's a very scientific explanation. And so that's what I looked to first. Like, it's like we weren't born with, like, a cat's claw deficiency, but iodine is an essential mineral in the body. And so it is key. It is a lot in like things like dulse, seaweed. So it can, you know, and I think bladder racks pretty high, that type of seaweed. But you can also get it. It is in its natural form, like a nascent iodine. And it's just like adding a drop to your water mm -hmm. or doing a little shooter. What about kelp? Is that sufficient? 
I think it is too. But then again, I'm like, you know, with like Fukushima and stuff, you know, it's like, oh, the seaweeds you have to get from the right area. I mean, yeah, we we harvest our own seaweed just from the beach here and and dry it and grind it. And for those listening, there are companies in Australia who make a business out of harvesting wild golden kelp that is washed up on the shore. They dry it and powder it and sell it. Uh, There's some in the south coast of New South Wales. Beautiful. Yeah, so that's a great way to really get it naturally. Great. It's not going to be in your, like, carrots and stuff. (laughs) I want to ask you about a thing which is so common I see in a lot of patients, hormone replacement therapy. Again, a hormonal intervention that can be helpful short-term for rough menopausal symptoms or other symptoms. However, it weakens the function of the whole endocrine system. Plus, I believe there are links with HRT and cancer and fibroids. Yeah, I mean, so it's you got to, There's a distinction between like the synthetic hormone replacement that your doctor be classic, or like maybe your mom was on, um, and then there is bioidentical, which is better. But I do. It does seem like it's a temporary bandage, and I'm always trying to think. Well, you know, what do we do in the body to get it going? And I think things like light is important, like the whole spectrum of light. And um, because it will dull your own production. And we have, well, actually, I thought we had three types of estrogen, but apparently there's eight, which, you know, so how are we going to get that right? And then there's progesterone, but then there's the precursors, right? Which there's DHEA and pregnenolone. And um, so I know that really getting the mitochondria back online is very helpful because that, you know, um, healthy mitochondria will produce like healthy DHEA. And that's where a lot of hormonal action starts. Also, as we age, there's the muscle skeletal system, which starts to whatever shrink, (laughs) you know, the muscles and the bones. And so now what we're learning too, besides the fact that muscles are an organ is that they're also really connected to the endocrine system. So I think through things like light and keeping, um, you know, muscular activity going, keeping the bones going, sort of the everything underneath it all, rather than just sort of this banded of a hormone. Again, there is, you know, bioidenticals seem to help a lot of people, but it's always like, well, what can we do to get underneath all of that? Because sometimes, yeah, like if you need, even if you need iron, it's not necessarily about taking iron. It's like the systems around it and the other nutrients. And like, so that's why it is good just eating like a whole food because then, you know, we're not just always looking at the parts. Okay, wonderful. Um, (laughs) I would like to end off with a more personal question. It's clear that you're very well-versed in the science of sun and health. And for the listeners, by the way, this is only a taste of Nadine's wisdom and around sun knowledge. But talk to us about your spiritual relationship with the sun, if you can put that into words. Yeah, yeah, it might be harder to find the words, although I, I think I write about it. in Like in the book, we've got the science and then that sort of philosophical spiritual connection. It's, it's all there combined. Um, but to me, and even as a kid, as people are like, don't be in the sun, wear the sunscreen, blah, blah, blah. And I'm always like, I don't get it. I feel good. It feels good. Like it just feels good. Like that's my relationship is it literally is like Dr. Feel good to me, you know, to see it, to be like, Oh my God, it's a sunny day. Always exciting. And to be with it, it just feels like it's just so meditative, for lack of a better word, to just be basking in it. To me, it also kind of makes manifest in a tangible way my relationship to creation. Because it's like, again, it's not like the sun created everything. There's something behind the sun. But it does feel like it can kind of be a manifest form where you're, it, you feel like you're connecting with what, with what's create, like the creator, whatever that means to you, or you know what I mean? Where you're like, yeah, I'm yeah. connected to the cosmos. I can feel it. And then it just, just feels like a great time to think, to bask in good thoughts, to have those meditative thoughts. It's to me, it's just like a really good friend. Beautiful. Hafiz has this 
part of a poem. I hope I get it right. But it's like the sun has been my lover for millions of years. Mm. You know, and that's what I think. It's like an old friend. Yes, and with friends, good friends, new friends, old friends, we want to know their names. We want to know and be enthusiastically interested in their movements, their patterns, and the activities that they undergo. Like we spoke about in the beginning about the property you live on. And for those listening, just your property, where you live, what are the sun's paths throughout the different seasons, throughout the day? Take extra curious actions to track, follow, and appreciate the pathways of the sun. This simple acknowledgement and reciprocal energy will allow sun energy to circulate more and uplift your physical, mental, and spiritual health. It's the great uplifter. Anything else? Yeah, you want to mention, I think, I think just to wrap up in a practical sense, well, first of all, if you want to learn more, Nadine's website is what, livinglibations.com? Yeah, sure is. And there's a lot of resources. You can see a bunch of, she's been on a bunch of podcasts so you can hear more of her stuff she goes more depth into all these topics plus more we didn't speak about we spoke a little bit about oral hygiene but you've written a whole book on holistic dental care holistic dental care the complete guide to healthy teeth and gums but open north american's first full concept aromatherapy store in 1994 right so what was that selling aromatherapy oil? Yeah, it was like my, I've been formulating uh, in, when I was at university. I just, when I started and then, um, yeah, we had over a hundred oils and we could, so it was all the like things that I'd made, you know, from shampoo to cream to whatever. And then we had over a hundred oils at the scent bar and you could buy things by the drop or we would make perfumes on the spot. This has been like 30 years. How have you witnessed the aromatherapy industry change over the decades? Essential oils are quite common now. There are big brands like doTERRA producing a lot of oils. Apparently, they are doing it sustainability. How do you see the market? Well, to me, there's still kind of seems like there's the same amount of genuine, authentic essential oils out there. You know what I mean? Which is still a bit of a niche. Because the production has gone up, but not necessarily like, it's kind of like, like, you know, agriculture, like big agriculture Mm. taking a crack at it, or you're taking some real material and then adding menthol or adding, which is very complex process of like, or you're, instead of selling cinnamon, the authentic cinnamon bark, um, you're selling casea bark, which smells like it you know, or instead of Melissa, it's like a derivative of like a lemongrass. So there's still a lot of stuff going on that way. What about putting the botanical name on the bottle? Yeah. So that helps. Yeah. But it doesn't always mean even that's lining up. Yeah. So you want to see a botanical name. We put up, uh, we get, we do third party lab testing. So you can just see that whole situation. Um, You want a Latin name. You want to know what country it came from. Maybe the viscosity, the color. Yeah. Um, yeah. I see companies like doTERRA. I'm not bagging them. I don't know about doTERRA. I cannot say anything because I don't know about them. But the amount of oils they are producing, which requires a lot of raw material, flowers or plant material, whatever it is to Mm. produce the refined essential oils, especially certain flowers like rose and jasmine, which creates huge you need huge amount of flowers to produce this little amount of oil. There's got to be some big agriculture involved. Well, yeah, the, a lot of the essential oil industry, I mean, it started like, so if I was, you know, I'm blending back in the 80s and 90s, like only like maybe 5% of the production is like what I'd be using. But they've been around for a while because they're part of the food and flavor industry, right? And again, maybe they're going to end with something not real, but you're starting with some real material. Um, and so, yeah, it's part of perfumery. It's part of, uh, flavoring like liqueurs, candy, cigarettes, orange juice. Apparently they add like essential oil to orange juice. So there's a big industry around it that's been before essential oils were like, you know, aromatherapy for home use. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure. Hope you enjoyed that podcast episode. If you want to listen to more podcast episodes on the topic of the sun and around the topics of light, you can check out Vital Veda podcast episode number 10, The Sun is a Divine Healer for Optimal Health. 
you can check out podcast episode 21 with Matt Maruka, and another very heavy research sun worshipper and lover. That's called The Light Diet, Quantum Health and Circadian Rhythms. Then we've got podcast episode 69 with Matt Maruka, and that is Why Sunglasses Are Not Healthy and light as the divine healer. And we've got some in-depth articles where I've spilled out the research. Number one, you can check these out on vitalvader.com.au blog articles. Why wearing sunglasses is not healthy. Another one, do you really think the sun causes skin cancer? Why are vitamin D levels still low in sunbathers? And the fourth one, one that's more tapping into the subtle, into the Vedic astrology, it's called Surya Tarpana, remedies to enliven sun energy. And that is more when dealing the energetic influences of sun people's astrology chart. You'll find the links to all those podcast episodes and all those articles in the show notes. As always, sometimes our show notes are even elaborated with more information. We extend what we talk about and touch on in the podcast. We've added more information and more resources and references. So you can check that out. Until next time, much love. Thanks for joining me.